Welcome to Torah Smash, the podcast for nerdy Jews, where our lives of Jewish learning collide with our love of nerd culture. In each episode, we discuss what we lovingly call a Torah smash, which we have defined as a beautiful collision of one thing from the world of Judaism with another from nerd culture. I'm Ethan Lane Miller, and joining me today are Barack Malkin, RDY. In today's episode, we're taking a journey to the future and the other side of the galaxy. Yes, dear podcast listeners, our nerd touchstone on today's episode is Star Trek Voyager. Set in the late 24th. Oh, yes, indeed. I'm so excited to go back into the world of Star Trek. Set in the late 24th century, the series tells the story of the starship Voyager and her crew who have been flung across the galaxy as they embark on a 70-year journey home to Earth. The series was groundbreaking. How long journey was it? Uh, From the start, it was estimated it would take them 70 years to get across the galaxy and home to Earth. I don't think I could. Okay, cool. Sorry. Continue. Yes. Spoiler alert. They find some shortcuts. (laughs) The series was groundbreaking as it starred Kate Mulgrew as Catherine Janeway, the first Star Trek series to feature a female captain in the lead role. Now, I'm sure we could have made this uh, discussion a comparison between Voyager and perhaps the Israelites wandering the desert for 40 years, but I've picked out a specific episode for us to focus on today, an episode that's regarded as one of the most controversial of the series, Season 2, Episode 24, Tuvix. In this episode, a transporter malfunction merges two of the main characters, Tuvok and Neelix, together into a new being who names himself Tuvix. Over the course of the episode, Tuvix makes friends with the crew and builds relationships, all while the crew mourns the death of Tuvok and Neelix. After weeks, a startling discovery is made and the crew learns that they can separate Tuvix back into Tuvok and Neelix. This brings joy to everyone on the crew, except for Tuvix. He sees it as a life and death decision, and he doesn't want to die. He refuses to sacrifice himself to bring back the other two crew members. What follows is a surprisingly deep exploration of values and ethics. Ultimately, Captain Janeway forces Tuvix to undergo the procedure. This takes place over the objections of the ship's doctor who cites the Hippocratic Oath. Mentioning this episode brings up strong feelings in fans of Voyager. Many believe that Janeway committed murder, while others compliment her tough decision-making in saving the lives of two crew members. According to Memory Alpha, the Star Trek wiki, Quote, this episode was by far the most debated installment from Voyager's first five seasons, especially on the internet, over Janeway's decision to separate Tuvix back into Tuvok and Neelix. So, my dear co-hosts, what Jewish angle am I looking to explore? I'm still just, but like, so I didn't watch this episode i've never seen an episode of star trek voyager that i'm aware of have you seen an episode Um, of star trek probably (laughs) somewhere (laughs) they showed up in a coca-cola commercial maybe you got the basics okay they're taking a a trek in the stars yeah yeah i've seen a couple of the movies and d uh what was the one with picard 
Next Generation? Next Generation was very often like on the TV in my fraternity house. Um, shout good, out to the good. Um, but like watch it. So, so, so you're asking what Jewish value relates to the Sophie's Choice kind of decision? What's interesting, I said, what Jewish angle am I looking to explore? And you said, Jewish value am I looking to explore? So I I will say it is a Jewish value. You are already kind of uh, (laughs) figuring out where I'm going. So I knowing that you were going to do this one, me and my wife rewatched this episode last week. And I'll be neither of us remembered the episode. And I think it's because it doesn't do anything for the overall plot. Correct. it it sits there at the beginning and the ending. People have grown a little emotionally, but nothing changes with the greater storyline of the voy- of Voyager. And so we both had forgotten about it. But in trying to interpret, like, what is what is Ethan thinking with like two people becoming one and then having to separate out again? And the only thing I could come up with, which cannot be right, is thinking about like a community synagogue's decision to merge the position of like rabbi and educator or cantor and educator. And then they leave again. And you've got to think, do we need to do this again as a rabbi educator position or can we separate it out and have both a rabbi and an educator again? Well, that's going to be upsetting because our community had it this way already. This is the way we've done it. We can't change it again. There's no, there, there, it's not. Well, I don't think we're talking that's sitting on structure. Stress, this is what we're <laughs> dealing with right now. That's 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 really nerdy, Barack. Yeah, no, there's no, and other than that, I like this. Well, well, hold on, the, hold on. Yeah. There, there is a niche crowd who's probably like, yeah, no, talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> talk, <laughs> talk about the HR process behind a synagogue, please. But we're also, but but Ethan did say it was a value, he did, right? So I already know that I'm wrong. But this whole, you know, keep one person versus two people decision, I don't, I, I don't know of a RDY has got a raised eyebrow, and I think he knows based on what I just said. Do you have a, you have a guess now? I'm thinking about the issue of how every human is worth the entire world, mm-hmm. how saving a life, bikuach nefesh, saving a life is, you got is, it. Okay. Oh wow! No Star Trek. <laughs> please, please, RDY, continue. Pekuach um, nefesh. Pekuach nefesh means saving a life, and we are um, commanded to break all of the rules that there are in in the Torah to save a life. We're commanded to do everything that we can in our power to protect others, and that even includes sometimes taking a life in order to save a life. So there's a concept of a rodef, uh, which means pursuer. And if you see someone being pursued to kill someone else, you can kill that person to prevent them from killing the other person. So in this, and I'm going to get the names wrong, but if this Tuvix person was viewed as a rodef, that their, their existence made them a pursuer to both of the other halves, then the captain's decision was, you know, in accordance with Jewish law. Well, so that's that's where kind of the meat of this discussion can can come in. So Tuvix did have the memories of of both men. He had the skills of of both men. 
and but and yet he was his own individual he had a sense of humor that both of the characters individually didn't have he was in some ways the sum, uh you know more than the sum of his parts and part of what made it a difficult decision was that he became a part of the crew in his in his own right he became someone who they began to value and appreciate yeah. is this i i don't know there's like a double based on what you just said, RDY, this this pursuer situation, right? Technically, he was a pursuer only because he refused to be killed himself. And then uh, Captain Janeway, in a sense, became the pursuer for Tuvix because she was trying to destroy Tuvix in order to save two people. So I don't know if there's like this mathematical calculation of you saved two and killed one. You're in the clear. But he... The only thing he was doing in removing the other people was existing. And yeah. so th- the complication of who to save in this was really right. If, if he came off the transporter pad and they knew right then how to solve the issue, this discussion would be pretty moot because he didn't really quote. This is turning into some deep stuff. He didn't become a person yet with a personality until people started to get to know him. And so there would have been no thought about what he thought and he Tuvix wouldn't have a thought about what he thought because he had just stepped off the transporter pad if they put him right back in this wouldn't have been the same issue because he had lived for weeks and made friends and created changes within the systems of the, sh- the ship it became such an issue and at the end I really had no idea what to think like as somebody who would if I had been watching the whole seasons leading up to this, I'd be, yeah, bring Neelix and Tuvok back. Like I want those characters, but just recatching up on this single episode. I, I know Neelix and Tuvok from, a, I know I had known Tuvix much better in this episode, having not watched Voyager for a while. And so I was a little torn of like my nostalgia for Neelix and Tuvok versus this 30 minutes of getting to know Tuvix who is in the right. And I, that is such a tough decision to have been put into. And I, yeah. Yeah. No I, I think, I think another complicating factor to this is um, it's not like the decision was a binary. Oh, three people are going to die. You can either save two of them or save one of them. Tuvix didn't have to die. Like Tuvix, you know, was going to live a plenty of a long life. Janeway made the decision to essentially kill him to to bring back two other people but in in researching this i did some reading on the trolley problem which is you know a very mm. famous sort of philosophical discussion of basically says there's an out of control trolley and it's speeding down this track and it's going to hit like five people but there's a lever if you pull the lever trolley will veer away and only kill one person and becomes this philosophical discussion of is it ethical to make a choice in making that choice kill someone and puts the blame on you versus to do nothing but that then leads to the death of of more and there was a chabad article actually directly about judaism and the trolley problem and what was interesting is uh, this rabbi reached the conclusion that when faced uh, with the choice between one life and multiple, the calculus is difficult. But ultimately, he made the determination that it is better to take a passive track for any act of killing is forbidden, which I think RDY is in a little bit of opposition of, of what you were saying earlier. I, yeah, I think I disagree with this rabbi's conclusion. 
but I, I also know that the trolley problem isn't monolithic in philosophy because they also say, well, there's the person and that's generic. What if it's a baby? What if it's an elderly person? What if it's someone you absolutely hate? What if it's your mother? You know, like what there's, there are so many like different variants. Um, what if it's Sylvie and what could be on that track and then our active, yes, the active versus passive, but doing nothing is not passive, in my opinion. There's that famous quote, I don't remember who said it, that, but all we need for evil to succeed is for good people to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm. So doing nothing is a conscious choice. Yeah. So Something else that I think you actually, you said that I think merges with what Barack was saying is, this would also be a very different episode if the people merged were two random red shirts who we, they were just the random guest actors of the week. And right. we had no connection to who they were. They were seen in the corridors and and that was it. It's different, not just they for us. For the whole season. Right, exactly. It's It's different for us as an audience, having known these characters. But also I think when we think about this fictional universe of Voyager, where Tuvok is the tactical and security officer, and he's third in command of the ship. And while Neelix, it's important when you're on your own that you have a chef, uh, he was in many ways, more importantly, the guide. You know, he lived, he was native to this area of space and was helping, uh, helping the crew. And so both carried different significance uh, on the crew. Yeah, but then- Can I ask a side question? Yeah, go ahead. Captain Janeway. Mm-hmm. Is her first name Jane and last name Way, or is her last name Janeway? Her last name is Janeway. Her first name is Catherine. Okay. <laughs> Just curious. Yes. No, I think that's important to understand. Captain Jane Janeway. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was Captain Catherine. Like, come on. That's that's the tongue twister. Right. Captain wasn't Catherine the, Jane. Wasn't Janeway. she the first? Wasn't she the first Star Trek captain to swear? No. I don't think so. Okay. Oh, hold on. I, I'll, I'll, I'll Google this in a little this bit. Is great. I can't. Imagine I, I have to believe Cis- email, I nerds. Have to, I have to believe Cisco swore as a father figure. You think that he, as like uh, as the first African American single father figure, that he swore? Maybe. I was, think as was the, Captain Janeway that was Captain Janeway the first African American woman to be a starship. No, no, Captain Cap- Cisco was a African American male. That was from a different. That was from Deep Space Nine. Yeah. But Janeway was the first female African American ship starship captain. She's she's white, white woman. Okay, then I do not believe she's the first one to swear. I'm too. I'm I'm not going by Star Trek lore. Okay. I'm going by like seeing things on the news and yeah. You have you have, you start with Shatner, then you go, which he couldn't. Based on the timeline of when his showed, there's no way that he would have gotten a swear word out. Yeah, well, maybe he slept right. around like. They got that on screen. Yeah. But you you have Shatner and then you have British guy with French name. Then you have <laughs> Avery Brooks and then you have Kate Mulgrew. So which also you know, this all is in, the, uh, you know, for, you know, Picard and Cisco and Janeway late 80s into the 90s uh, brings me a great joy to say I love that Doctor Who fans freaked out about a woman doctor now a black doctor. It's like, yeah, Star Trek did this like three decades ago. Calm down. <laughs> You know, I wonder if uh, Picard swore in a movie or if um, or if Captain Kirk swore in a movie. 
All right, let's we're gonna we're gonna do a quick Google. super important to this conversation. Yeah. Um, I think the the woman who swore as a starship captain is much more recent than that. I want to say I want to say like twenty teens. Uh, oh, the much... new one. Oh, what's the discovery? Star Trek discovery. Yeah. I think it was her. Well, uh, you think... know, we have we do have um, Star Trek. You know, damn it, Jim. I'm a blank. Ah, I'm a blank. That's, that's not true. a swear word. Oh, I know. I know. I know what you're thinking about Star Trek Discovery in 2017 uh was the first star trek series to drop the f-bomb there you go oh that's what it is that's what it was and you know my favorite f-word flexibility yes yeah <laughs> very very family friendly on this show um so we can you know we can we can keep debating the merits of you know janeway and 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 tuvix but it calls into question for me, like some bigger questions and we'll anchor it back on Voyager and a little bit in Tuvix, but a lot of our heroes end up killing a lot of people in comic books, in TV shows, in movies. Mm-hmm. You know, as I was thinking of like, what is the most comical? And I don't mean like a comic book. I mean like the comical astronomical number of people a hero has killed. How many people do you think served on the death star? Like, Luke has to have single-handedly like killed tens of, if not hundreds of thousands of people. True. Right? Yeah. Well, he definitely, I would say at least 20 non-clones were on that ship. Right. All of the, the people in charge, I would say there's at least 20 directors and managers. Uh, no, <laughs> no, 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 clo- no clones left really serving in the empire at this point. They're conscripts at this point. Oh, also, if I'm you kill so 100 sorry. clones, does it count as killing 100 people or one? Ooh, RDY, I need you to answer that one for me. I don't know. <laughs> RDY's <laughs> eyes are bugging out of his head right now. Yeah, so like at, at what point, you know, do we have to step back and recognize that our heroes have a lot of blood on their hands? I think we would justify it and say that, well, if Luke didn't destroy the Death Star, they were going to destroy... Yavin 4 and then like you know any other planet that was going to rebel against them but the bottom line is like Luke killed hundreds of thousands of people at that moment well then should should Star Wars have created the Yavin Accords and followed MCU's tracks with the Sokovia Accords do you think that that would have definitely changed the trajectory of the Star Wars universe bringing in well well Barack you joke but part of the emerging Part of the emerging story of Star Wars is that after Return of the Jedi and the New Republic is formed, Mon Mothma reduces the military budget of the New Republic by like 90%. And they barely have much of a Starfleet left, which is why Leia and the Resistance start covertly battling the First Order, because they have uh, there was a response made against all the death of the Galactic Civil War. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right. Look at me. I'm super smart about it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this idea in Judaism, B'Tselem Elohim, saying that you are made in the image of God. Is Tuvix B'Tselem Elohim made in the image of God? He was made in an image of a plant, if we're going to get technical, that because that plant was on the transporter with them, that's what made him that. But the con I don't know. I Can started I ask somewhere, but I don't think I have a right. Yeah, go ahead. Is there in the universe of Star Trek, is there God? In our universe, is there a God? The idea is that Star Trek is our universe just a few hundred years in the future. Okay. But 
are they still believers or have they like there there are some generally it is thought that this society is at least in the society of the federation where the humans are is that it's very science driven there's not necessarily organized religion but people hold um may hold their personal beliefs i would no there's definitely cultures within star trek Yes, it's as right. There are gods and and greater beings for those cultures that they follow and that they believe that we pass on and and are taken care of or exist and are taken care of by those greater beings. And and that is, in fact, a major focus of Deep Space Nine. But as far as humanity is concerned in this universe, it tends to be a very secular science oriented group. There are, of course, other cultures within Star Trek and within even the Federation that are actively religious but as far as humanity is concerned religion has taken a step back sure so if we're going to say that there is a god concept in that universe and humanity is created in god's image that's genesis 1 verse 27 if you're counting the question becomes how was tuvix made or does tuvix have a soul the soul concept is really what what I think is at question, and and you know, can something have a soul that was created rather than born? Is a soul even a real thing? Is you know, so many there's so much philosophy here, Horatio. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's why. Like one of the things I appreciate about this episode is at its face value, this is a ridiculous concept, but it's. <laughs> it, I mean, it is. But when you take this episode for what it's presented as that they intentionally took a non-comedic angle and like really presented this terrible choice to to captain janeway uh they take it very seriously and star trek fans took it very seriously like there are some who are like janeway is a murderer like period the end full stop there you are oh i mean isn't every soldier a murderer if you you've kind of said this already with luke well i guess how do you define murderer like maybe every soldier has killed, but is every soldier murdered? Yeah, that's a really good point. I actually, and actually, I I should I appreciate you. I'm actuallying me because that's a point that I often make when teaching the spoken Ten Commandments. Because it says, "Do not murder." It does not say, "Do not kill." Mm-hmm. Um, and there is an important distinction, and the distinction is intent. And you know, mur- killing someone to save a life or two is not murder that's protection killing because she's mad that her two friends are gone that's murder so the the question you had ethan about if he's made in the image of god i want to also give background to rdy and to susan uh who's listening to say pre-transporter incident tuvok was a vulcan he was pure logic no humor all type a personality if you will that was the and, third in command one yes, yes. The, the tactical security officer neelix was your typical saloon bartender chef and he was there to emote and share feelings i guess not your typical because he was overly shared and he was super emotional super overly friendly he is the person who can get along with everybody sort of guy was he and, comic relief in some uh, cases. In, yeah, in some cases, I would say that. Very happy-go-lucky. And so very two different sides of this coin, right? And when they combined, there was a comment made in the episode where uh, they joked, you know, they say the 
the sum of the parts is not equal to the whole or but I think Tuvix proved them wrong in this case because throughout the episode, the combination of the, the logical and the hunch from like the logical from Tuvok and the hunch from Neelix did serve them so much better as a starship. I think that's why this became so difficult. Not only was the food a little better tasting and the security upgrades taking a lot faster because they were using both sides of this personality. But at the, so at the end, the ship was better for having the combined person of Tuvix as opposed to, I, they wouldn't have changed them. Neelix would not have changed the menu and Tuvok would have taken three weeks to solve the security issue they had. And so the starship was a little better off by having this combined person who could serve both sides of this personality in this okay. episode. However, so I'm starting to understand the episode a little better from the discussion that the two of you are having. And I hope that I'm understanding it correctly. Yeah. But this is one person doing two jobs, which is not sustainable. That's true too. So p- part of the episode is they eventually lean into the, you know, Tuvix does more of the tactical security side as opposed to like the chef saloon Neelix side. And and Barack, I think operationally you are correct. Operationally, there are parts of Voyager as a system, like right. on a meta level that that functioned well, but on an interpersonal level, it caused challenges. Yeah, which especially with Kess. Uh Kess was somebody for those for Susan and for RDY. This in this episode for Susan and RDY. Kess was the love and growing love interest for Neelix uh at this point in the series. Mm-hmm. And so she was very much struggling with the idea of letting go of Neelix at this point as a friend, as a, you know, interest for her and as well as, as well as the support she received from Tuvok, because yes, he was logical. He also had a heavily, uh, I don't know what you want to call it aside from spiritual, but heavily. He was, he was very, yes, he was very nurturing towards Cass in a way that in, not that Neelix wasn't, but in a way that Neelix couldn't be. Yeah. So this character, Kess, was struggling with losing her her friend and her partner-ish, as well as the person who would have supported her have if she had worked to lose Neelix. Right. Yeah. So both of these characters that she lost. And so we got this very interpersonal as yeah, you're right. But on the other side, Tuvix was able to go to the bar and shoot pool with people who never would have invited Tuvok and never yeah. would have invited Neelix. And so those relationships had improved. And so it, part of me wonders if Kess didn't have such a close relationship with Janeway, if Janeway wouldn't have had this decision be made for this one person struggle of relationships. Well, the other thing too, to remember is Tuvok has a wife and children back home uh-huh. and, and Janeway was also thinking of them. As as she was considering what, right, to what do would in happen this when they finally returned, what would yeah. what would Tuvok's family think if at this point he'd been gone for years and they you know they don't have this person anymore? Or take it a step further, he's been gone for years and you have had the power to return him this entire time. Yeah. <laughs> so Ethan, what's the answer? <laughs> well, no the answer. wonderful thing is I I don't know that there is a right answer. I mean, yeah. Janeway, when you ask people who is the best captain, you can get a lot of different answers, Janeway. a lot of different answers. Sorry. And 
<laughs> I think as the franchise continues to mature, and I think also as people begin to mature and we see things in different lights, you know, we see Deep Space Nine making the strong resurgence. Then I think we also see people looking at Captain Janeway herself and saying she actually might be one of, if not the best captains. When you look at the situation that she was in, she had to make some hard decisions. And this was definitely one of them. You know, I know that and I know this isn't a real quote, but it's attributed to Churchill, I believe. Um, like, you know, oh, you've made people mad at you. Good. You've you've made some decisions then. And and again, I don't think that's a real quote, but the the idea stands here that, you know, Janeway had a tough decision to make and she made it. And thinking about Captain Picard from Next Generation, I don't know that he would have made this decision. I think Picard would have taken the, this is a new life form. This is a life. He has thoughts. He has feelings. I'm not going to do this. There actually is a Jewish quote that I think covers what you were saying. Churchill may or may not have said um, by Rabbi Israel Salanter, who said, if they never try to run you out of town, you're no kind of rabbi. And if they succeed, you're no kind of man. And (laughs) misogyny aside, but that idea that it's part of our job as spiritual leaders. And I I do think that personally, my philosophy has advanced, I hope, a little from from Rabbi Salanter. But the idea being, you do need to ruffle feathers as a leader. Like, Like when you, not for the sake of ruffling feathers, but people struggle with change. And it's not easy to have something different and like it. And so you had mentioned that they had to mourn both Tuvok and Neelix. Mm-hmm. Very good. And, Very good. And that means they dealt with that. They had their, you know, we, you know, listened to our last episode on mourning and and how important it is to to have a process to deal with your grief. They dealt with their grief and now they have someone new. So they, I, that, that doesn't doesn't feel feel fair to me like they they hadn't been gone very long as we know grief is an ongoing an ongoing thing that that we go through and and i also think for kess and perhaps other characters on the show seeing tuvix would be like a daily reminder of just how close they are to that person yet that person is not there yeah it's like kind of like living in a house of your spouse who passed away and it's covered in all of their belongings and things that are, as you wake up, you're still in the bed that they bought and you walk down the hallway with the pictures of their family, right? That's what, that's what those crew members were going through. Like, yes, these other people have gone, but you're looking at their eyes and you're hearing their voice and you're these similar it's, it was, it's a hard grieving process when you can't have a separation because the person is is technically right there talking to you, but they're sort of different. It's definitely a situation that cannot happen in real life, so it's hard to. Yeah. It's, it's hard to so perhaps I mean I I would say a hundred years ago, who would have thought that Elon Ramon would have to ask how do you celebrate Shabbat in space when you're orbiting the Earth? <laughs> and so sure. This this exact situation will probably not happen, and also I don't know what the what is science going to bring us in fifty years that suddenly we have to start talking about. And- Ethan's episode are less about hypotheticals and more. Let's prepare for the future because cloning is going to be here any second. <laughs> oh, I I also know 
there's a certain question I'm not asking because I'm saving it for a whole nother episode as a premise. No. So don't don't worry. I've got I've got more. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the prestige with Hugh Jackman, where it turned out that he wasn't actually transporting himself. He was just cloning himself and immediately killing that original person. And so we're not at that point, but that could be a very similar conversation of the person that is created as a new person, but you've killed the other person immediately who was also sort of a copy and only around for a little bit because maybe since just the last show. So this idea of right, he and well, in that movie essentially said you didn't sacrifice anything because you're not the one who killed you were created. The last person killed themselves. Essentially, I'm getting this too convoluted, but <laughs> we should prepare because according to Ethan, like transporters and cloning is around the corner. These are going to be issues we're all going to have to deal with, folks. So uh, I, rabbis I, listening, please get together with RDY and figure out some of these new policies. Well, there's they're already figuring out whether cloned clone like is pork grown in a lab kosher. That's, oh that's my already- god, what a question. <laughs> um, oh and- man. I bet you, I bet you that that Jewish rabbis are going. I don't know why I had to emphasize Jewish. <laughs> yeah, the, for, that the, forget the, the non-Jewish <laughs> rabbis. That yeah. they will be based on the history of Jewish law. They're going to say better to be cautious and say it's not kosher because if somebody perceives and thinks that that is a cloned piece of pork and accidentally eats a real piece of pork. We should just say that the cloned piece of pork, therefore, is not kosher. That yeah, is exactly what I Yeah. That's used so... Wait, what is it again? Marit Ayn. It's how it appears to the eye. Yeah. I think there's so many other Jewish laws that are based on that piece alone that I, I don't think... I, I don't think... They're going to say it's not kosher. I, I will also say, and and I'm I'm sorry to bring I'm going to bring up something that's heavy and in the in the la, in the eleventh hour of the of the recording, but I was I could not stop thinking of how the philosophy of the Rodaif, the pursuer, um, affects the Jewish opinion on abortion. Yeah, and I was thinking how, that the, most of this episode of yeah. like a person is created and the other person has to, has to be like, make the decision who do you, which is kept when it, Yeah. It's yeah. a decision. It's a horrible decision. It's not a, it's and and I will also say that I know that some of the language is changing, but no one is really pro abortion. Um, we're pro the right to have one if we need one, but no one in the world wants this procedure. It is a terrible procedure. Yeah. Um, it's something that my wife and I have uh, have had to make a decision. Um, you can you can Google our story on on NPR's StoryCorps, but this is not you know the idea of a Rodaif really pulls heavy on the philosophy of the abortion issue for uh, for Jews. Yeah. Janeway does not take this decision lightly. She, I would even say she agonizes over it, but when she makes the decision, she, she sticks to it. And when the doctor says, you know, because of my Hippocratic oath, I can't do this. She just takes the thing out of his hands and does it herself. Yeah. She fully commits. There was nobody who's going to change her mind when she made that choice. Nobody. So as we begin to draw to a close, it is not uncommon in Star Trek when a character is dealing with a moral dilemma to have them escape to the hollow deck and recreate some sort of historical figure and talk to them. So RDY and Barack, 
let's say suddenly you are the holographic representation of yourself. What advice do you give Captain Janeway in this situation? (laughs) I want to, I want to state that this presumes that Taurus smash has gotten so big that in the future, in the 24th century, (laughs) the Star Trek enterprise holodeck includes Taurus Smash co-hosts. Yeah, That's we're, wonderful. Like, we're like the wild stallions of podcasting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I'm aware of what premise I just proposed. Yeah. <laughs> so we, she has pulled us up in, mm-hmm. in the holodeck and we, she's asking us for advice on this. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't think I would give straight. I would probably play more of like a question guide than an answer guide. Yeah. Like I would pose more questions for her to think out this issue on her own and make the choices for herself because very, very Jewish of you. I would appear to her. I would look her in the eye and I would say, what Rabbi Jean Borowitz wasn't available. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The, I I think that (laughs) the non-Jews are going, what? <laughs> Rabbi Eugene Borowitz, Allah Shalom, is one of our preeminent modern Jewish philosophers. And he was also my teacher. So I think that similar to Barak, in, instead of telling her what I think she should do or what I think Judaism would require of her, I would be asking questions. It would be a very Socratic conversation. Yeah. Especially since I don't know these people. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? Where am I? (laughs) And 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 maybe maybe that's a benefit that no one else on the crew has. They all know Tuvok and Neelix and now Tuvix. I I hope I I hope Captain Drainway pulls all three of us. She just pull up pull up the Taurus Smash file, and all three of us come up and she sits down with us hoping for questions. (laughs) <laughs> and I guess for you, it'd be, you would probably respond. You know, this reminds me of an episode of Star Trek, Captain yeah. Janeway. <laughs> Let me tell it you would, about it. It would break so space time. <laughs> Captain Janeway is like, wow, that's so meta. Yeah. I want to say that I would ask a lot of questions, but I think if I'm being honest, I would probably take a very utilitarian approach and just ask, what is the greatest good for the greatest number of people in this situation? Oh, and man. I think it would skew me towards the decision to separate Tuvix back into the the two beings. So you skew yourself to the side of the people in the Star Trek's universe who agree that Janeway did the right thing. I believe, yes. I I believe I am in that. And I say believe because even I'm not entirely sure because it's such a interesting scenario, but I, I do if you made me pick, yes, I, I would say that I think Janeway made the right choice that she prioritized two people over one. You know what? And this was, it felt like such a filler episode because you go to the next one and there's no conversation there. The, aside from the small changes Tuvix made to the tactical security side, Neelix goes back to the kitchen. Yeah. Tuvok goes back to making analytical long decisions it's back to normal. There's not a change. That's why this felt like such a filler. When you said this was so debated, I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that this was so important because we didn't remember it because yeah. nothing changes. It felt like nothing had changed on the, on the starship. I, I think, I think some of that is, you know, the era this came out in the mid to late nineties. So serialization was not really a thing that was seen in television shows so much. It's 
partially why Deep Space Nine is having a renaissance right now. It was serialized at a time that the shows were not really serialized. But yes, you're right. This is in many ways like a bottle episode. No one brings it up later on, even though like yeah. this was this incredible, deep, moral, philosophical uh, dis- I, discussion. And, and I really expected at the end for either Neelix to make some sort of logistical comment or for Tuvok to make some hearted, lighthearted, like passing comment. Yeah. But they both were just exactly as they were before they went into the transporter no changes to their personality. The episode I, I, ends before we even get introduced to any possibility of that. It felt like yeah. we got cut off from the from that res- resolve. I think if this episode were made today, we would see that. Do they have an awareness of like do the two original characters have an awareness of the of the third character? The episode ended before we really talked to any of them. It was just they got separated, oh, they're you, back. They never and then again. yeah, that's just that's just lazy writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wonderful. Thank, thank you both so very much for joining me in, in this conversation, you know, as a point of privilege, I'll say that to me, this is what great science fiction is all about. It is a story that at face value is kind of ridiculous and is never going to happen, but it forces us to think about ourselves and our society and our values. And it's a mirror for us. It makes us engage with, with who we are. And so God, what, a, what a heavy episode. What I yeah. I thought the morning one was going to be heavy. This one was so tough. Jeez. Well, you're leading the next one, Barack. So <laughs> let's see what happens. Yeah, stay tuned, folks. Can I, ask a, can I ask a question before we sign off? Yeah, no, Please. that's custom here, isn't it? So let's say that that once I'm finished watching Willow, and, and rather than rather than watch something in the MCU again, or rather than rewatch another movie that I love, I I like let's say theoretically I decide that I want to pop on a a, a Star Trek show. Uh, where do I begin? Next generation. Okay. That did you notice how? Nice. Did you notice how little hesitation Easy. there was there? There was no hesitation. Yeah. None. Is that because of your um, love affair with Jean-Luc Picard or because uh, some something else or what? A little bit of both. I think Picard is probably the most well-rounded captain. Also, Next Generation is a really good jumping off point. You don't have to watch the original series to, to get it. And so much of modern Star Trek branches off from Next Generation and builds off of it. You know, Deep Space Nine builds off of Next generation voyager builds off of next generation in deep space nine it's also this hopefully will not surprise many of our viewers the first season is terrible absolutely (laughs) terrible the second season is not much better but they begin to have these glimpses of figuring out what they're doing and then in the third season the uniforms change and the rest is history so should i start (laughs) in season three no, I will give you a list of what to watch of the first two seasons, and then you can watch season three. I would, I would say start with Voyager. I, I would lean towards that one. I, they're, they're good. They're all good. I think you can choose any one of them and enjoy it in the end. If you even went back to the originals, you'd struggle. I think because the pacing is a lot slower in the olden mm. days. But the Next Generation, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, any one of those three, I would say you would, you would enjoy the stories. Okay, another point of personal nerdy privilege. Yeah, uh, that, that might even happen by the time this episode comes out. 
Uh, my friends and I just bought tickets. William Shatner is coming to Austin and they're doing a screening of the wrath of Khan and a Q and a with Shatner afterwards. Oh, wow. And I don't necessarily love Shatner as a human being, but when else in my life am I going to have this opportunity to go watch the wrath of Khan with William Shatner and then do a Q and a. So, so in, the, in, the Q&A, yeah. in the Q&A, I should ask him, <laughs> you need to say, hi, my name is Ethan May Miller and I co-host a nerdy podcast with uh, called Taurus Smash. And we would love to have you on. And we sent you a message through Instagram. You haven't responded yet. I'll let them know. Yeah, you know, you should submit like a media pass and say, hey, I'm a I'm a media personality. I'd love to go backstage and get a chance to talk with William Shatner. I'll That's try that. Idea. Are we a media presence? Can we do that? Can I, I get know. backstage passes to fish let now? Us, let us know what you think in the comments, folks. <laughs> Are we media presences? RDY asking our dozens let us, of listeners. Let us know our dozens of listeners. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode of Torah Smash. Our fiscal sponsor is Jewish Creativity International. Our theme music was created by Sean Fogel. You can check out Sean's bands and studio work at www.thesleepywest.com. This episode is supported in part by URJ Six Point SciTech Academy. URJ Six Point SciTech Academy is the only Jewish overnight STEM camp in the multiverse. At SciTech, their campers and staff dive deeply into their shared passions for science and technology in a warm and inclusive environment. If you love Torah Smash, you'll love Six Point SciTech, where scientific inquiry meets fun. To learn more about joining URJ Six Point SciTech Academy as a camper or staff member, go to sixpointscitech.org. We want to hear from you and continue today's nerdy discussion. Go to torahsmash.com to find where to connect with us online, purchase swag from our store, support us with a donation, find previous episodes, and more. And these are the explorations of the Torah Smash Enterprise. Its mission, to explore strange Jew worlds, to seek out Jew life and Jewish connections, to boldly go where no nerdy Jewish podcast has gone before. That was very fun. That was great. That was a lot of fun. I'm tired.